0: No Bull, powered by Earnhardt Auto Centers. For a premier destination near you, head to NoBull.com. Here's Chris, Crespin, and Simone.
1: And welcome in. Wednesday edition of No Bull with Chris, Crespin, and Simone. Chris Schuber, Sean Crespin here with you on a Wednesday. Sean, you're looking dapper here on a Wednesday. You look Thank good you, sir. here on the camera. Thank you, sir. A little bit of an adjustment pre-show, but, you know, you look look good. You look very good Got to get the lights on you on Wednesday. Yeah, maybe we recorded the intro to the show once or twice and your lights weren't set up. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. We are here on a Wednesday with things to discuss, (laughs) a lot to get into. I just want to warn you, Sean, microphones are live, microphones are hot, so don't say anything that you don't want put on the Mm. Internet, uh, like maybe one of the stories that we're going to talk about in the lead. So without further ado, let's waste a little time. Sean, let's tell everybody what is in the lead on a Wednesday.
0: This is the one they're talking about.
1: You know, I didn't have it number one in the lead, but I made that joke off the top. So we'll go to it first here. We'll get into the Suns and Diamondbacks here in a minute. The NHL has themselves a little bit of a referee controversy. And uh, it ended with referee Tim Peel getting fired today. And Sean, I believe you have the audio of what was caught by the local broadcast there in Nashville. And I'm not going to defend Tim Peel. But as somebody who has refereed
2: in the past, I'm going to offer an explanation here that is going to make this not as nefarious hang as on. the clip is about to seem. H- hang on, hang on. You refereed in the past? Yeah, I was a soccer ref for six, seven years at a, at a pretty decent level. Yeah. Yeah. I can't even. I, I There's so many. I will derail the show. I have too many questions. Okay, so let me play the clip. Again, you mentioned it. This is the okay. Nashville broadcast, they're going to commercial. Right, yes. they're going to a commercial break, and as the they, the the announcers stop talking, the music, the yeah. you know, the bumper music is going out. They overhear the officials discussing what had previously just happened, and here's what they heard. It wasn't much, but I wanted to get a yeah, penalty I against Nashville early in. The- okay, and so in case you didn't catch, it, let me play it again. Yeah. It wasn't much, but I wanted to get a penalty yeah, against Nashville early in. the... He wanted to get a penalty against Nashville early. There wasn't much there, but I wanted to get a penalty on Nashville early. I, okay, I know what everybody's going to say. Okay, well, let, what, what context with this? Because we kind of caught it out of context. What context can you put on that, Mr. I Used to Be an Official, that would make it ever okay for an official so, to say, I wanted to get a penalty on blank team early. How yeah. is that ever Okay.
1: I don't want I do not want this to come to my what I'm about to say to be me coming to the defense of of Tim Peel. Right. You cannot say things like that. You cannot do things like that. You can't purposely single out a team and get a penalty on them. But where I'm going to divulge from the rest of the Internet and social media is that it isn't some grand NHL conspiracy that the game is rigged from an officiating level here's what happens a lot of the times when you're a referee because there's human nature involved in this and I can personally attest to this if you're calling a game right for me it was soccer in this example it's hockey you see a team, maybe maybe on the borderline, right? Okay, that could be a call, could be a penalty, could not be a penalty. We're, we're, we're teetering on the line here. And it becomes this thing of, okay, you keep teetering with this line. I'm going to get you for one of these eventually. I'm going to get you for this borderline. So when he says it's not much, it could be a culmination of Nashville's been doing a lot of things that hasn't been much. But it reached a point where he's like, we got to get him here. We got to get him for this one. Now, again, I'm not saying that's what happened. But I can say, as a referee, when you're calling a game and you're seeing things that are maybe a little ticky-tack, they're, they're a little close, after a while, you're not getting the benefit of the doubt anymore. Now you're trying to
2: skirt the rules. I'm going to get you for one. It wasn't much, but I wanted to get a f- penalty against yeah, Nashville know. early. In the- I wanted to get a penalty against right. Blank and right. Nashville yeah. early. Why? Why? Maybe the way the game had started, it had been a little
1: chippy. Nashville's kind of, again, if they're on the borderline of that could be a high stick or that could be a slash and it's a little chippy, it's close. You may want to say, you know what? I'm tired of this. We're going to call one here. Again, you, you cannot do that. That's not the way games should be officiated. The game should be officiated fairly. It's either a penalty or it's not. You don't just go, you know what? I want to get this team. But as somebody who's been in that position... It's 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 human nature. There's a human error and element that comes to, comes with this, and I'm not surprised that a hot mic picked that up because I'm sure that happens all
2: the time. So what are, in, in in sports? So what are we talking about here? 15U is that where you were you were 15U well, I, 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 so under 15. It, so, okay. So when when I was a referee
1: in in Long Island, New York, or on Long Island, New York, I, I mm-hmm. ref a lot of the. Uh, the youth level, but I also refed a lot of the big major uh, tournament events that occurred inside the major soccer league on the island. So any of the big cups, big tournaments, I was an assistant referee, the linesman, you know, the linesman with the headset holding the yeah. flag up for offsides. Yeah, that was me. Oh, you also were that did, guy. Some, did, did some center ref work. Yeah, yeah. You can ask. You can ask a buddy of mine, uh, one of my best friends on this earth. He, I don't know if he's going to be listening to the show today. Uh, I was. The, I gave. He got a red card because of the information I gave to the referee. I was refing <laughs> one of his your games buddy and and the, Who the does teams got that? into. A, Teams got into a fight. My guy was my, you know, my friend was in the middle of the fray. A referee came over. What did you see? All right, number seventeen, you're gone. That's you it. red you gotta carded go. your buddy. He got into a he got into a fight on the field. He had to go. You can't be doing things like that. You got to call the game fair. Not what Tim pulled did. You got to call Tim Pool did. <laughs> you got to call the game fair.
2: You red carded your friend. This makes so much there's so many things falling into place for me having known you for a couple years now it's falling into place by the way the NHL senior executive vice president of hockey operations Colin Campbell made the announcement today saying that Peel would no longer be working NHL games now or in the future, dude is done. He was, but he was also next month, Yeah, he's way. 53 years old. He was going to retire. Uh, he's been officiating since 1999, over 1,300 games. So um, he was going to be out anyway. But yeah, the NHL can't have that. Not a good look. That's just not a good look. No, no, it's not a good look at all. And again, I hopefully not, nothing what I said there was to come to the defense
1: of Tim Peel. But I also didn't want, it, it's not a big grand conspiracy from the National Hockey League. You,
2: you red carded your buddy
1: did you can't throw fist cuffs on the field <laughs> you can't do that you can't choose
2: somebody and square
1: up no. with them they you do it in hockey square up on the field you're out this was not hockey this was soccer you five minutes is all you get and then you, <laughs> get, you get to you're come out. back in big win for the Suns last night they take care of the Miami heat and Sean we're going to talk about this a little bit later on in the show but the Suns right now if you look at the standings they are two games back Rolling. of the Utah jazz in the, for the first seed in the West They're also there are two games up on both the Clippers and the Lakers. So their distance from the one seed and to the seeds behind them is the same. We will get into this a little bit later
2: on. A big performance from DeAndre Ayton last night, but the Suns, they keep on rolling. Yeah, 17.16 boards for Ayton, three blocks, but it was much more of his awareness defensively. Um, on some of the pick and rolls and just his effort level being there and, and, and just looked good last night. It was, a, it was a really quality game for DeAndre Ayton. Uh, Booker was Booker, 23 points, but here's the, here's the thing. They got a back-to-back, so they're playing again tonight in Orlando, back-to-back on the road. They were up by 22 in the second half. You were able to sit Booker. He has 23 points, but only 27 minutes of game time. That's big when you got a back-to-back, right? You're able to sit some of your stars, some of your your key contributors. Uh, Didn't have to go 30-plus minutes last night. So nice win for the Phoenix Suns over a decent Miami team. It's a pretty good Miami team. So nice win for the Suns. Again, they got the magic tonight and uh, hopefully able to get both on this back-to-back. Yeah, and and to your
1: point, Sean, they they were able to get those guys some rest. That's going to be pretty important. Every one of these games is going to matter in this this hotly contested Western Conference race for one of those top seeds to be able to get home court advantage, at least in the first round, where if the Suns stay where they're at, the only team that they wouldn't have home court advantage against would be the Utah Jazz. Uh, Zach Allen, hairline fracture in his forearm. Uh, hurts the, hurts himself uh, picking up a bat, swinging the bat, not pitching related injuries. This is where Sean's going to yell at me about some sort of universal DH related concept. And Why I did agree he with you, even they, have the bat? In I, his listen hand to begin you, with. You take this up with the people involved. Okay, the, K- the union and the, and and the league couldn't come to an agreement on this. They they discussed it. and we had it last year. They weren't able to come to agreement on it this year. You got to you blame the parties involved. Don't blame me. It's not my fault probably going to miss the next six to eight weeks at a minimum that probably i'm not a doctor but i looked up how long a hairline fracture in the arm uh, lasts or how long it takes to fully recover the internet said six to eight weeks i don't know end of may beginning of june at that timeline hopefully he's going to do some light throwing Playing catch, so it appears he still can use his arm. It's not like he has to completely sit out. So maybe the, the timelines are covered. We don't have an official timeline from the team yet, as of recording this show. I don't know if we will get some well, sort of official timeline. But six to eight weeks is what the internet tells me, and the internet's yeah.
2: never wrong. Well, no, it's never wrong. And, and listen, this is much better than where many people's minds wandered to when you. Got the news that he well, had well, when some for When you hear
1: something with the forearm, yeah, you're, yeah you're, you're
2: thinking, oh god, Tommy John. Now we're looking. He's we, he's but lost this was the for lat the side season. Yeah, this you is
1: know? the lat side where you don't have those issues. Tommy John isn't related to the lat side of the arms. So right. He, we, 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 we were kind of in the clear once we learned that the forearm issues were contained to the lat. But now it's a hairline fracture. Like I said, the internet. You know what else is
2: always see. funny to me? So they they get the sure. MRI on Sunday, right? They uh, they have the CT scan do the yeah. x-rays on Monday. The doctor gives you an opinion. The doctor the gives like, you the, This is what we think. So g- give you the opinion, yeah. and then they hit them with the old... I don't believe you. <laughs> I don't believe you. Because they got the second opinion. I always find that hilarious, that a doctor gives oh, you yeah. his professional opinion, and you lean back in your chair, put a cigarette in your mouth like Ron Burgundy, and just say, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. I don't yeah, believe and you. Yeah, I, and I think... <laughs> I, get, I get the second opinion. Just, that first doctor's probably like, fine, F you. Why did you even come to me to begin with then? Get your second you only opinion. Get a, you only
1: get a second opinion is if the first opinion you didn't like. It's not what you right? wanted to you know hear. What, nobody yeah. ever gets the first opinion and go, you know what? I like what you said here, but I'm yeah. going to go get a second opinion just to make so, sure. Doctor, no, you're, you're you get saying, the second
2: opinion yeah, yeah. if the first opinion sucks if it's, you don't like it. Exactly. So, doctor, you're saying I'm fine. Are you sure? I'm going to go ask this other guy to make sure yeah, I am go fine. ask that three more doctors. No, that doesn't That's happen. How it works. It's what? only when a doctor comes to you and says something. You know what? You're dying. I don't believe you. I don't believe you. You know what? You're going to have to miss opinion. the entire year. Your career could be over. I don't believe you. I don't believe you. Yeah. So as soon as you heard there, get a second opinion. Tell me your heart didn't drop yeah. and go, son no, of and, a and bitch. And again,
1: you know, Sean, how much I uh, think of Zach Allen, how I think he's the future of, of this rotation in a lot of ways, that I think he's the best pitcher in this rotation. Now, for the Diamondbacks, it's going to shake out this way. He's definitely not going to be available for the first turn through the rotation. They don't need a fifth starter until I think April 10th. Uh, they, I think Taylor Clark will just take that spot, and they'll re, they'll rework the the rotation around that uh, that way. But again, they don't need a they don't need a fifth starter until April 10th, so this isn't really a big issue until then. And we'll see what the timetable looks like. Again, I think it's a positive sign that he is able to continue throwing. He's not going to be you know trying to throw 90 plus off the mound, but he is going to be able to play catch and have a light toss. That's a huge first step here. So now we'll see what the timetable is and go from there. I don't believe that. That's you. it for in the lead. Okay, well,
2: I don't, why don't you believe me, Sean? I'm just giving you the information that's out there. I'm not a doctor. I'm just that's all that's in the lead, dude. The Buccaneers me. are bringing back Indomit and Sue. They signed an offensive lineman again. Basically running back the entire team they had last year. That's some BS if you're in the NFC. Um, so, yeah, uh, just chalk it up. Tampa Bay Bucks, best team in the league again.
1: Um, I mean, they, they play the 17 games for a reason. So we'll we'll play the 17 games Ooh, and then we'll go from there. Listen to what he says. He says 17 games, Schumer. I mean, it's a formality at this mm. point. I, we're playing All 17 right. games. Okay. Next year. That, that's for sure. Coming up next on Noble with Chris Crespin and Simone, the Arizona Cardinals have been very active this offseason. There has been one position in which their activity has been lacking. Steve Kime talked about it. We'll get into it next to our Noble with Chris Crespin and Simone.
2: 5,963 is what I'm looking at right now. That's how many vehicles at Nobold.com are at your fingertips. You're in the market for something. They got you covered across 17 different brands, 21 different Earnhardt Auto Center locations. They got something for everybody, and it's all in one place now at NoBull.com. And, of course, the NoBull Express option. Uh, just click right on the top of the page. Can't miss it. Click it. Have somebody bring a car right to your front door for you to test drive. Have the Earnhardt Auto Center folks have you fill out the application right there online and bring your car to you once the purchasing process is over. It's so easy. Why? It's a no-brainer. NoBull.com is where you want to go. 5,963 vehicles right there at your fingertips. It's a family you know you can trust since 1951. Earnhardt Auto Center's NoBull.com. That ain't no bull.
1: Well, Sean, we've had a lot of activity from the Arizona Cardinals here this offseason. J.J. Watt, they trade for Rodney Hudson, signing A.J. Green. We're going to get into some of those moves here in a little bit, but there's been one position, Sean, where they haven't been doing a whole lot. That's the cornerback room. Patrick Peterson, he's out the door. One-year, ten million-dollar deal with the Minnesota Vikings. That leaves a room. Do you still have the graphic, Sean? I know you tweeted this out a couple days ago. Do you have the graphic in front of you of what the cornerback room looks like? You I don't mean to put the, you on the spot. I just want you to read the list of names <laughs> that currently make up the
2: Cardinals' defensive back. So room. you want the entire list of defensive of the corners, yes, the corners, uh, not uh, defensive backs because that would include safeties, but yes, corners, the corners. And, and is, I don't mean to put you on the spot because I want the whole list, the whole the whole list. thing. All right, let me go the through the list. I got it for you, okay. man. Byron Murphy, Jace Whitaker, Picasso Nelson, Robert Alford, that's the list. For oh, that's mind. where the list ends. That's where it, okay, ends. Okay, yeah, that's
1: yeah, where it yeah. ends. Yeah, that's where it ends. Yeah. That's it. So this has been, all kidding aside, this has been a position that on this show we have talked about a lot. By the way, real quick, don't mean to sidebar completely, a uh, little love for your boys on this show, saying that Justin Pugh should restructure his contract, and 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 because that's exactly what he did, and he's going to be the left guard for the team next year. Yes. With just another check mark for us. Well,
2: I said don't cut, having a good off-season. don't completely cut uh, Pugh, and don't completely cut Robert Alford. Uh, just restructure if you can. Those numbers were in the 7000 or $7 million uh, savings if you straight-up cut them, but you could probably still get close to that number by just restructuring. They restructured both of them. So quality move by Steve Kime. Uh, Pew played well last year, and uh, and Robert Alford, because of the amount of... <laughs> the, the, the list I just read you. Um, any kind of players in that room right now are a positive for the Cardinals. So instead of just cutting them, which they technically did, but re-signed them quickly to another deal. Um, yeah, smart move. Bring them back. If he plays, great. If not, no sweat. You haven't had him for the last two years anyway. So speaking of that room, Steve Kime did his media
1: availability recently, talked to the media, Mm -hmm. answered questions. And this room, of course, came up. And here's what Steve Kime had to say about the state of his cornerback room.
0: Uh, To answer your question, so Byron can play outside. He's done it before. Uh, I think, you know, to to find guys who can play inside is a little more difficult uh, than years in the past. It's a really tough position uh, with two-way goes and the quickness that's required to play inside. And we think Murph's one of the better inside corners in the NFL. He can play outside as well. Uh, You know, every team has holes. And one thing you don't want to do is you don't want to panic and do things that are uh, put you in a tough situation from a cat standpoint so uh, we'll continue continue to monitor the market Uh, there's different avenues that we can take whether it's through free agency trade options or even the NFL draft
1: Oh, so pick number 16 is going to be used on a corner. Got it. Okay, <laughs> glad, we were, glad we were able to get to get to that conclusion there. Yeah. When he said you don't make a rash decision and go out and spend a, bu- a bunch of money in free agency, that to me says, hey, pick number 16, that's probably going to be used on whatever corners are available. And, Sean, I also got the inclination based on the, the first part of that comment is – they would rather sign or draft an outside corner and keep Byron inside because they feel that's the easier path for them to fill out that room. They feel that trying to move Byron to the outside and put somebody else inside is going to be a a more difficult task. And considering how difficult the task is to begin with of filling out and completing this room, they're going with the path, and I agree with this, the path of least resistance, which is we think Byron's really good inside. We're going to
2: leave him there and then focus on the outside. Yeah, he said it multiple times, right? He said he said Byron can, can play on the outside, but you can kinda of hear the way he emphasized that he can play on the outside, but we think he's one of the better inside uh corners in the league. Okay. That that to me sounds like they're they they're reluctant to move him out there because they feel like we've solidified that spot. Uh now let's look elsewhere. And they think to try it would be every- more challenging to correct, fill it. Right. Correct. Yeah. So, you know, let's 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 see what they're able to do. You know, again, there not many people have been signed in free agency. In off the cornerback market, outside of the top tier names that uh, have gotten big contracts, that you weren't playing in that ballpark anyway. There's a lot. There's I'm telling you, you're gonna get towards. We're gonna get closer to the NFL draft. The pressure on a lot of these players to find a roster for next year is going to increase, and more and more guys are gonna be willing to take that one year, three, four, five million dollar deal. And the Arizona Cardinals are gonna find somebody. Now, will it work out? Who knows. Will it be somebody that week in and week out you can, you can, you can count on? Who knows? But you're going to be able to find a few guys to fill out that room, I believe, once the first handful of waves of free agency go. And, man, it's really slowed down, right? The big waves, of, I feel like yes. they've already come and gone. So you're seeing guys take those one-year deals. The Cardinals are going to be able to fill out that room with some cornerbacks that are looking for a place. And I think there's going to be more people doing that than you think this year because I'm, I, you know, I'm on overthecap.com every day. I'm sure you are too, Schubert. There's mm-hmm. not a hell of a lot of teams with an awful lot of money out there right now. Everybody's asking players, pleading with them to restructure, to push money down the road to, to uh, you know next year, the year after, when the salary cap is more to where we're accustomed to having it. So it's it, right now you're going to have some guys that are searching just for a place. And I think the Arizona Cardinals are going to be able to sit back Allow things to play out, and then find some names to fill out that room. Uh, and then, and then, yeah, I do. I do believe sixteen is going to be a corner. And if it's not there, and you, cover, obviously, based on the background behind you right now in the video portion of this, Schubert, you're a little bit more dialed into the NFL draft at this point than I am. Uh, if 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 the corner you don't love is there, or somebody you don't think is going to be a contributor right away, trade back mm-hmm. if you can.
1: Well, and that's and Trade I said back that a couple of, a couple of weeks ago. Is that that's probably the place that they might be able to strike right. the best. Because who there what, might what be,
2: corners? What corners are you saying yes? That's a contributor right now. In yeah, the draft, I, I think there
1: I think there are, are three, maybe four guys that I think will be available at sixteen that makes sense for the Arizona Cardinals that can be a right contributor the, right
2: now because they're going to need somebody best. who can come in and year one contribute. They're not going to need. Listen, put it this way: you can't draft somebody at sixteen. Like you drafted at eight last year, not a knock on Isaiah. Them sit the yes. first, yeah. Not a knock yes, on Isaiah so I Simmons. I think the upside is still tremendous for Isaiah Simmons, but you can't have a guy playing fifteen snaps next year yeah. if you're gonna if you're gonna if you're gonna go through the draft to try to help out your cornerback room. You can't have it.
1: I mean, Patrick Sertan, the corner out of Alabama, is obviously going to be the name that everybody brings up. Caleb Farley out of Virginia Tech is the second name that everybody brings up, but we've learned, and there are some injury risks with Caleb Farley. His back is acting up again. He's, I think he's getting a surgery, or he's not going to participate at his pro day. Um, so, And now we're already starting to see people think that he is going to fall. While we're doing this show, Sean, and it's on the other screen here, J.C. Horn's having his pro day at South Carolina, and he just ran... A four three seven forty on his first attempt and a four three nine forty on his second attempt and everybody in draft Twitter is freaking out with how good of a day J C Horn is having so he might get talked up a little bit he's a guy that I've seen mocked a bunch at sixteen to the Cardinals uh, he might move up a little bit he might take that two spot from Caleb Farley who might fall down and then I think you look at a guy like a Greg Newsom maybe an Eric Stokes those are t- those are the kinds of names that I think are available at sixteen. After that, you're, you're, you're playing a lot of fit guys, guys that you think are more nickel corners, right, guys that can play, you know, in, in those types of packages defensively. So you kind of have to really hit 16 if you're going to want one of these corners, because I don't know if there's going to be a ton of talent when, it, when, it, when the draft comes back around to the Cardinals in the second round. So they, they might have to get aggressive. I think if they really love one of these guys, I would trade up for him. But ultimately, if they stand, if they want to stand pat at 16, they don't want to take their limited assets and move up, and one of those guys isn't on the board. I think you wash your hands of it, and you let somebody come up for a, a quarterback if Mac Jones is still on the board, if there's a receiver that somebody really likes that begins to fall, if there's an offensive lineman that's still on the board that teams in the back half of the draft, <clears throat> Kansas City Chiefs, want to trade up and try to get then I think you entertain those offers. So I think what, and we said this at the time when they made all these moves of free agency, I think what the Cardinals have done a really nice job of, Sean, is with when it comes to the 16th overall pick, they've put themselves in an option to be extremely, extremely flexible and they don't have to force it. They don't have to square peg, round hole, pick 16. And I think well, that's a huge plus for Steve Kahn.
2: Right. Well, if, if it plays out the way we believe it's going to, if it plays out in a situation where, yeah, they're going to be able to scrape the bottom barrel of, of free agency with the one-year contract-type deals, then yeah. But if you if you roll into the draft... Can you read that list again, Sean? And and read that list again You want me. the full list, Schubert? Full list. The yeah, full, give me the full list, list of corners on the yeah. roster. Byron Murphy, Jace okay. Whitaker, Picasso Nelson, Robert Alford... Yeah, that I wanted to look 16. again. That you is, forgot, it. you forgot to put yeah. pick number sixteen. So if there, so huh? if you if that's what you're rolling into April 29th with, like if we get to April 29 and that's what you got, there will be a new Arizona Cardinal corner picked at sixteen. Yeah, but you. Do you Thursday really think night. that that's the room that's going to be? No, the case? No, I really April don't, 20th. and that's what I'm. That's why I kept telling you at the start of the segment. No, th- there's gonna. There's so many guys out there right now that are. I mean, some of the names even the Richard. I'm not saying the Cardinals are going to go after this, but oh, the Richard. Richard Sherman, his name. Yeah, the Richard Sherman's of the world are still out there at the cornerback position and just not being picked up because the market is not there. So and I'm again. I'm not saying the Arizona Cardinals should go get a Richard Sherman. That does that's not a good fit for but me. But you're not <laughs> not saying no. It. I am not saying it. That's what, okay. they're they're not going to go after Richard Sherman. Um, although they have signed an awful lot of guys over the age of thirty this year. But anyway, that's not that's neither here nor there. Um, But anyway, if you go look at the the cornerback market, there's still some names that could make sense that are going to be looking for a place, I think, for the Arizona Cardinals. Just go to overthecap.com, click on the cornerback tab, boom, there they are. There's a handful of them that could make sense for the Arizona Cardinals. So, you know, I don't believe that's going to be the list of corners once it's all said and done that are going to be on the roster April 29th, Thursday night when the Arizona Cardinals are sitting at 16. Uh, But if it's for some reason is... Yeah, they're not trading back. I don't care what the situation you know, is. No, no, they will stand pat <laughs> that's, and take that's a corner. Where you're, Even that's if it's where you're a little bit be. of a reach, they will Correct. take a
1: corner yeah. uh, with pick number 16. Uh, real quick, Sean, before we transition into talking about the Phoenix Suns, the closure show, I want to play one more clip from Steve Kahn because I think when when the Cardinals in free agency opened, that what their big splash, other than the Rodney Hudson trade, was the one-year deal that they gave and It's not really a splash when he's kind of a one-year deal, but when they bring in A.J. Green to add to this wide receiver room, and there was a lot of, uh, of social media noise and I, a lot of noise of, hey, A.J. Green not the guy he used to be washed up, not really going to really be able to contribute here in Arizona. Well, Steve, Steve come kind of pushed back against that a little bit and said the statistics on AJ Green might be a little bit misleading.
0: Well, it all starts with the tape. And and uh, I don't think his stats um, are really uh, telling a great story about the type of player he still is, in my opinion. I think he was targeted 118 times. Uh, we charted it. I think there was 38 uh, balls that, that were uncatchable. Um you know, to our scouts and to our to our coaching staff. So he's still got a lot left in the tank in my opinion, runs great routes, uh, really strong in traffic. I think he was the third best receiver in the NFL this past year uh, with catching balls and traffic and really strong hands, still has the vertical speed, runs crisp routes, uh, and is a guy with great character. And that was something that we looked to in free agency this year when we added players, uh, regardless of position, uh, guys with great character and leadership skills.
1: Man, can't believe Steve Kahn just threw Joe Burrow under the bus like that. 38 uncatchable passes for the Cincinnati (laughs) Bengals last year. It's unbelievable. You know, it's funny. Uh, But but the the thing that I I took away from that is those last couple of things that Steve mentioned, he's still a great route runner and he still can catch in traffic. That's what the Cardinals are going to ask him to do. They're not going to ask him to be the guy over the top all the time. They have guys in this room that that they yeah.
2: like for that role. But he did mention the vertical speed. And, you know, my first question was, okay, how different are they going to use him compared to Larry Fitzgerald a year ago, right? How different of a role is he going to have? Because at times it felt like Larry just was not a part of what Cliff was trying to accomplish. And again, there's so many factors that play into that. It could just be, you know, Kyler not getting through his progressions. Who knows, right? But how different of a role? So I went back and looked at Larry Fitzgerald. And he actually played a ton in the slot last year, you know, more than I even remember him playing. I don't believe AJ Green's gonna be asked to do that. No, He's gonna be outside the numbers, so. right? He's gonna be on the outside. Yep. He's gonna be you know so it's gonna be a significantly different role than what you saw at Larry last year. I think it's gonna give Christian Kirk more of an opportunity to be that true slot. Uh, wide receiver for this team and hopefully see the mismatches that this is what we thought we were going to see last year right oh man DeAndre Hopkins out on the left Larry oh, Fitzgerald just out on the right Christian yeah. Kirk in the slot now you're getting the mismatches on the nickel corner or the linebacker or even a safety if right. they're bringing somebody down in the box so now you're getting the mismatches there and he, he should have an opportunity to eat and Christian Kirk it never happened for him we saw Larry in the slot an awful lot and it was it just never really came together I don't think you're going to see a similar role for A.J. Green, as you saw from, from Larry Fitzgerald last year. I think you're going to have a true number 2 wide receiver on the outside, and it's going to open up things for for Cliff to, to be creative if he can, right? So I, I agree with Steve, you know, 38 uncatchable balls, because when you look at A.J. Green's statistics from last year, he only had a completion percentage on targets of 45.2%. His average. Yeah, you have to remember that his the quarterback play deteriorated yeah, rapidly
1: correct. once Joe Burrow got hurt. I know I made that joke at the top, but Burrow wasn't the quarterback all year. right?
2: So. And, and but for his career, he averaged fifty seven point four percent completions on 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 yeah. targets to AJ Green. So that's a significant drop off. So I mean the you know you know how I always talk about well which one of these things is the anomaly? You know is it when we talked mm-hmm. about Carson Wentz an awful lot? I kept telling people listen last year was an, was the anomaly. The four years of significantly high quarterback play is not the anomaly here. So the you know you look at A.J. Green over the course of his career, 57.4% completion percentage when targeted, 452 last year. He didn't forget how to catch the football, people. He didn't, right? So two things could come into play. The quarterback play with a rookie quarterback and then the turnover at the position, which once Burrow got injured. Um, but then you also have to look at, okay, was he getting separation or not? You know, those kind of things. And again, I told you, I went back and looked at a little bit of what he brought to the table, as well as Larry Fitzgerald, and yeah, he's, he's, was getting, he's fine. There's nothing wrong with A.J. Green right now. So if he can stay healthy, that's going to be a good get for the Arizona Cardinals. And I agree with Steve Kime. Um, a lot of that, a lot of what you saw, you know, had to do with what was around him, rookie quarterback, mm-hmm. and everything going on in Cincinnati last year. As to why he had only 523 yards and two touchdowns, there's there's more in there. So this is an improvement for the Arizona Cardinals, and I think again I will I will constantly bring this point up when we
1: discuss AJ Green. You have to put into context what he's going to be asked to do in this Arizona offense. It is not going to be the the premier featured number one guy week in and week out for 17 games of the regular season and hopefully some postseason games if everything goes according to Steve Kimes plan, right? That's not what his role is going to be asked. DeAndre Hopkins was brought in and given that big extension to be that guy. AJ Green is on a one year deal because he's an older player, but also to be a complimentary piece hey, in the yeah, offense. I'm not it's expecting
2: I'm not expecting the Arizona Cardinals to have two thousand yard wideouts and two receivers pushing ten touchdowns. No, you give me no. seven fifty plus in terms of yardage, and you get me seven plus touchdowns, quality signing. You know, I think that's fair. I, think and I don't think that's fair I, and I
1: don't think that's unreasonable, right? No. I don't think that's unreasonable no, in this offense for AJ Green to do Not that. at all. So, and, and so Steve Kamm kind of pushed back on the narrative about about some of those stats being misleading, and, and I tend to think he's right. I loved the signing at the time, uh, and I still do. I still think it's going to be a huge piece uh, for this team. Coming up next here on Noble with Chris Crespin and Simone, we'll wrap up the Wednesday edition of the show talking about those Phoenix Suns that are on fire and DeAndre Ayton having a big game. Monty Williams talked about it. We'll get into it next here on Noble with Chris Crespin and Simone. Sean, the Phoenix Suns, two games back of the Utah Jazz for the one seat in the Western Conference. Two games in front of both the Lakers and the Clippers. The Lakers who will be without Anthony Davis and LeBron James for an extended period of time for the uh, the three and four seats. In the Western Conference. The Suns pick up a big win last night against Miami. Thank you, DeAndre Ayton. Big performance, potentially one of his best defensive performances of the season and of his career, playing extremely well last night for this team. And Sean, I want to start with Monty Williams's comments post-game about DeAndre Ayton to kind of set the table for this conversation, and then we can get into where the Phoenix Suns stand in the Western Conference. So big game for DeAndre Ayton, big reason why they're able to win the basketball game last night. After the game, Monty asked about DeAndre's performance. Here's what he had to say.
0: That's, you know, an ideal world. I actually want even more. I I thought there were opportunities on offense where he could have taken advantage of their switching um, a bit more. So, you know, for me, I, I just... I'm never satisfied as far as pushing him because there's so much there. But yes, you know, when he plays with that kind of force and focus, it gives us a chance to to be that kind of defensive team that we saw tonight. We could have held them under 100 points. They, they hit that last shot at the buzzer, but you know, that's our our hope and our plan is to continue to move him in a place where he's playing like that consistently.
1: I like how upset Monty is about the bucket at the end of the game that, that allowed him yeah, to put get him over 100. 100. <laughs> like, I, I love, I love that that still bothered him. Yeah. Even with all the good that came from the game mm-hmm. last night. And, but Sean, we were talking in the pre show when we were planning the show out today and, and you, you brought up something and I don't want to steal your point from you, but you talked about how Monty Williams has to constantly answer these kinds of so, questions about DeAndre 8.
2: Yeah, I mean, all of us who are, you know are, are in the media here in the Valley and have covered this team through DeAndre Ayton's career are so sick and tired of having the conversation of, man, if only this guy could be consistent with that type of play. God, I'm tired of having those conversations. But if you hear that clip that we just played from you from Monty Williams, he has to say that again. And again, if we're tired of talking about it, what do you think the vibe is in the building of these coaches who yeah. are like, dude... Or even his teammates, and we've seen it on the floor this year with with uh, Devin Booker and Chris Paul, and just you can see their interactions with him. Like, do that every time, you know? Hey, you look what you just did. Like, do uh, that. Remember, can you can yeah. you someway find? Can you somehow find a way to do that night in and night out? So if we're I, sick and tired of having these conversations mm-hmm. on the outside, just watching, what do you think? The, what do you think it's like in the building with the coaches and the players consistently telling him, like, look what you can do, man. Look what you can do if you can just be consistent with that. To that point, I remember a game, and I don't remember the specific
1: game, but I remember a game in the early part of the season. It was one possession that stood out to me, but Chris Paul was bringing the ball up the court. Aiton was in a one-on-one. He dropped it into Aiton. Aiton gave it back. To, to Chris Paul and Chris Paul took the ball right away. And you could tell with the emphasis of no, you're gonna do this, threw the ball back inside to DeAndre Eight and it got deflected out of bounds. And you can tell by the look on Chris Paul's face of no, I gave you the ball because you can go make a move and score points. Like, no, go do this. And to your point, I think everybody in that building knows. The, the potential that's there for night in and night out domination from DeAndre Ayton, yet we don't see it on a consistent enough basis. And potentially, it's the thing that's holding this team back from catching the Utah Jazz for the one seed in the West.
2: Yeah, and I also agree with Monty that on the offensive end, there can still be more. Like, we're praising him today, but most of it had to do with his play on the defensive side of the floor last night. The three blocks that he had and uh, just his, his overall awareness of what was going on around him, you know? So the, on the pick and roll and the screen, he didn't seem lost, You know, a lot of times he kind of seems lost or slow, like one step behind where he needs to be for help, defense, and so forth. And last night, the energy level just seemed to be there. He seemed Mm -hmm. to be um, really grasping what was going on around him. Hell, they put him back in in the fourth quarter when the lead got close to double digits. And, you know, he played nine more significant minutes in the fourth quarter, played nine minutes and 50 seconds, almost 10 minutes, um, and gave them some quality minutes in the fourth quarter on the defensive side of the floor. Uh, that's you know, and you and I have this conversation all the time too, Schubert. You know what? Ex- what exactly are they asking him to do? You know what are they right. asking Dion? Because everybody gets hung up on the on the offensive numbers, the points per game, and so forth. But, you know, and, and people want to make the they want to make the, and you're one of them, right? And you and I disagree on this this point. Like, oh, they're only asking him to do this, so he's not going to see those numbers. And I agree on the offensive side, but all they're asking him to do is what we saw last night. Dude, be aware. Be here with us defensively. Be aware of what's going on around you. Have the constant energy. Get over there and help out You know, on, on the backside when it's there. Just be aware of what's going on around you. Court awareness and right. just being a presence on the defensive floor. If he does that every night, because again, this is another cliche about DeAndre Ayton. Oh, he can just walk on the floor and with his size get 12 rebounds. True, but you know, last night he ends up with 16, four of them on the offensive side. Just give me that aggression, dude. I don't I don't need 22, 23 points a night. I don't need it. 16, 17, which you gave me last night, 17 and 16. I love it, especially if I'm getting that, but I'm also getting the DA that I got on the defensive side of the floor last night. That's all I'm asking for, and I, I believe that's all the Suns are asking for, to be perfectly honest.
1: And, and, and I think that's because the way the team's constructed. They have three yes. guys that they can count on to score, right? Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and Mikael Bridges are, are is where this offense flows through. Those three gentlemen are asked night in and night out to carry the workload offensively. DeAndre's there to provide defensive intensity and rebounding right and then the occasional you know points that he's able to provide they're not asking him sean and and this is where you and i have this this you know conversation all the time they're not asking him to drop you know 25 30 like some of the other big time centers in the league are. right they're not asking him to be nikola Jokic on the offensive side of the the ball they're not asking him to be carl anthony towns they're not asking him to be any of these big time centers they're asking him to bring energy defensively rebound the basketball and and give us whatever we can f- from you offensively right so I, I and again I think you you think that's the, the thing that could stop this team from maybe catching the Jazz in, in the West is his consistent play I think it's secondary scoring on this team on a consistent basis that is I think what they need to get more regularly it's what I think they're going to look for in the buyout market uh, the trade deadline one day away it doesn't appear that they're going to be extremely active in that regard we talked about that on Monday show that they're going to be more in the buyout market looking at, at different options there uh, for guys that they can add to this team and I think you know, secondary scoring is probably where they'll go uh, and just some energy coming off the bench. But uh, listen, we're talking about a team that is the same distance away from the one seed as they are in front of the three and four seeds. And I, I, Sean, I don't think the Lakers are in a position right now with their injuries to catch the Suns team. I just don't. Now with LeBron James and Anthony Davis on the sideline, it's not happening. I agree so with that. The Suns, are, the Suns are in pole position here to hold on to that two seed. Now they got to go make a move on the one seed in the Utah Jazz, who in the second half have shown have shown an ability to, to, to stumble. So they can catch this Utah team. They can chase them down. They have to now take the ball
2: and run with it. Yeah, if I was to say, which one's more likely to you? Which way is your arrow pointing? It's catching the one seed. Up or down? Yeah, it's you know, catching is, the one seed. Because like you mentioned, you're two games behind the Jazz, you're two games up on the Clippers and Lakers. If I have to, you know, what 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 is the most likely way that arrow points at the end of the year? I, I, I would agree with that, which is crazy to say, but I would agree with that. I think the Suns are the more consistent basketball team overall. So we just had another... Elongated conversation about DeAndre Ayton's consistency. I think the Suns overall have been a very consistent basketball team this year. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we talk about all the time how many times they rebound after bad losses and go on three, four, five game winning streaks. They're on a three game winning streak right now. So you know, we'll see. They have a heck of a stretch coming up. Like they can do themselves some big favors by just taking care of home court here over the course of the next few weeks. But after that you've got a road trip coming up that where you go to <laughs> this is consecutive games you got a game April 19th it's a Monday against the Bucks. you play the 76ers on Wednesday the next night you play the Celtics then on Sunday you play the Nets and then you go to the garden in New York and play the Knicks that road now there that go. That's, there's the stretch that's a stretch if you make it through there you're gonna feel pretty good about yourself you got a lot of road games down the stretch to finish out the season but we're talking about the Thunder, the Cavs, the Hawks. You know what I mean. The, uh, so how dare you slander Trey Young you and <laughs> the Hawks like that? But you've like got
1: missing in the way that you did.
2: After you get through this five-game road, there. Sorry, excuse me. This four-game road trip, and again, you you can't overlook even the Magic who you have tonight on a back-to-back. But uh, once you get through that, you've got out of the next ten games, you've got three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I'm sorry. Out of the next uh, thirteen games, nine of them at home. So once you get done with this road trip, you got nine of thirteen at home. Take you advantage. Could, you could really take advantage of that put yourself in a great spot to truly be sitting in that two seat or trying to track down those that Utah Jazz squad. That that road trip in April does does make me a little nervous, but uh, yeah, this team is in a good hey, spot, man. They are in a really be, really you, good spot right now. You want to be considered one of the better teams in the NBA? You go out on a
1: stretch like that and you and you show up. You impress in a big way. So that's that's going to be the thing that I think everybody circles and say, okay, you want to be considered one of the top teams? ESPN's power rankings has you in the top five, top four every week. You're considered one of the best teams in the NBA. You're considered a team that can make a run for a championship by a lot of people. Okay, prove it. Here you go. Here's a stretch. Go against some of the teams in the East. Team that you protect. one of those teams. Sean, I think it's pretty safe to say one of those, the first four that they play, not necessarily the Knicks at the back half of the schedule, but one of those first four teams that they play, it's more than likely going to be the Eastern Conference representative in the finals. So there you go. There's a test for you. Go play one of those teams and show up and win. By the
2: way, you get the Jazz at home twice here in the back half of the there schedule out I'm of that stretch that I just talked back. about. Out of stretch I talked about, which I think I still said it incorrectly, it's 9 of 11 games that they're home. 9 of math 11 is hard at sometimes. home. Math It's very difficult, especially on a Wednesday. They're very difficult. Um, I was told there would be no math. Yeah. But they have the Jazz at home within that stretch, and then they uh, they have two games at home after that Eastern swing. I keep telling you I'm nervous about where they got the Jazz at home again. So two games against the Jazz at home, there's your two games. You take care of that, and uh, I like your chances of tracking down the Jazz. That is going to do it for us here on the
1: Wednesday edition of the program. As always, you can follow the show on Twitter at Noble underscore podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Shoe Radio, S-C-H-U Radio. Follow Sean on Twitter at S-Crespin02. I believe he put up a tweet the other day listing out the uh, Cardinals cornerback. It's the so entire list, Schubert. Entire list. Mm-hmm. You can find it on Crespin's Twitter account, S <laughs> 2 So go there, follow him, and rate, follow, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. We will be back on Friday. We'll talk to you then.